This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 291. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Matthew Marister, Mr. Producer. Good afternoon. What's up, man? Hey, man. It's good to have you <laughs> with me here today. Yeah. Glad to, glad to be back in the saddle doing the live shows again. Yeah. Are, are, you, are, are you all recovered from uh, SHOT Show? Yeah. Yeah. It took a couple days to little jet lag and, you know, everything, but... Uh, Think I'm think I'm back to normal, whatever normal is. But <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely had to affect you more than like me because I had a one hour time difference change, and you had a three hour time difference change. Yeah, but it actually helped out because we I flew into Cincinnati, and then I I had to drive like an hour and forty minutes to to Columbus. So, and I didn't get down till I don't think we got out of out of there till like one in the morning. So. I wasn't tired because, you know, it was like nine in the morning to me. So, <laughs> Right on, dude. Or nine in the evening. Right, right. So, hey, uh, we are coming to you live today on Facebook. And, of course, uh, for those of you that don't join us on Facebook, that's totally cool. We still, we still love and appreciate you. But uh, we have made recently some changes with regards to the podcast. Uh, I talked a little bit about this in the last episode, 290. I introduced this, uh, but we also have had some Facebook Live uh, broadcasts, uh, not you know, necessarily podcasts, but just going live on Facebook where we've explained some of the changes we're making to the podcast. And so I'm going to just review that real quick right now so it's fresh in everybody's minds in case you've missed an episode or two or three. And so today is our weekly news edition of the podcast, but instead of coming to you with legislative news, industry news, justified saves, and whatever else floats our boat, we are now changing the format where the first Tuesday of each month, we only cover justified save stories, which means we can cover a lot more in one episode. And there's a lot of great ones this week, especially. And uh, next week, this being the second Tuesday of the month, we will do industry news, meaning general interest stories from, from across the industry, uh, new products, anything like that. Um, and then on the third Tuesday of the month, we'll be kind of like whatever we feel like. <laughs> right, Matthew? Yeah, it's probably whatever you feel like, but... <laughs> no, I, I, no, no, no. This is a team effort here, bro. <laughs> yeah, we'll come up with something cool. You know, uh, it, it could be like a gear review or uh, whatever, you know. So and there's some really fun stuff that we could talk about, actually, uh, here in just a couple of weeks uh, from things we saw at SHOT Show. Like, we could talk about a few of those things, some of the guns we got our hands on. We could talk about the Glock 48 and the 43X, right? It, you know what? Is, this is what I see, Matthew. I see, speaking of that, a lot of people kind of like skipping over the uh, 43X, and they're, they're just all focused on the 48, right? Which yeah. I totally expected because... I suspect for most people, they, they probably just want like a 43 or they want a 48, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're, you're going to go to that grip length, you might as well just have a little more uh, barrel length, right, of the 48. That's kind of the way I look at it. So anyway, uh, yeah, we, but we could definitely talk about the Glocks, the new Glocks. And actually, I just saw something the other day too, a new Glock 46 release, but it's only in Europe. And it's only, it's a, it's only a law enforcement contract for... Germany, I think. Yeah, that's right. It was Germany. So it's like it's like German state police got some contract for the Glock 46, and it's kind of it's quite a bit different from anything else out there. I was expecting something you know a little more in line with the 45 or whatever, but yeah. Anyway, Jeffrey loves, and we're just looking at comments on Facebook. Jeffrey loves the episodes with Matthew. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jacob. <laughs> uh, Matthew's pretty cool. It's it's agreed. <laughs> and Elk, Elky uh, says, more shop talk. Oh, I didn't finish explaining everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got sidetracked. Uh, so the fourth Tuesday of the month, we will cover it, it, uh, legislative news. I almost said industry news. We'll cover legislative news updates on the fourth Tuesday of each month. And then, unless there's not a whole lot there to talk about, and then we'll talk about something else. And then if we have a fifth Tuesday of the month, we will pick whatever we want again. Although I, I think kind of that concept is we'll take some of these justified stories, we'll maybe pick like one of them and really break it down in depth. Um, and we'll, that might be kind of the the goal for the fifth Tuesday episodes. 
Alrighty, folks. Uh, so that's a little bit of the update of the of the changes with the podcast. All right, we hope to bring to you continued good quality content, and also to keep it in a nice, concise, powerful, predictable format and time frame. And we'll be going live on Facebook each week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at twelve noon Mountain Time. That's two p.m. Eastern Time. Um, what else? Oh, and then we've come out with this new thing called Shop Talk, which is a Facebook live only thing. And it happens on Mondays, also at 12 noon Mountain Time, 2 p.m. Eastern. All right. So if, you, if you're on Facebook and you want to join us there, and, and I know some people aren't or they're not really into that sort of thing, but you know what? We have 200 and some odd thousand followers on Facebook. So we go live on Facebook on Mondays now, uh, at least I do, and do a little thing from our new office slash warehouse that we call Shop Talk. So we just did the first one yesterday. It was, it was a lot of fun. and People seem to like it. All righty. Matthew, dude. Yes, sir. Sorry, I had to get all the business out of the way, right? Yeah, of course. Business first. But there's a little bit more business to do, and that is today's <laughs> episode sponsors. Yeah. Tell us, what who, who do we got? Uh, let me pull it up. I actually just closed. I, you <laughs> You're closing the windows? I just oh, come closed. on. Come on, bro. <laughs> just, okay, first <laughs> up, speed up, today's computer, episode brought to you by Door Ambush DVD. Okay, so folks, uh, we took an excerpt from our complete home defense DVD set. And uh, we split out of that one that's just focused on door ambush type scenarios. You can pick up a copy of door ambush today. Super, super affordable price. Concealcarry.com forward slash podcast DA. Okay. This, like I said, just deals with preventing and dealing with home invaders at the door. 85% of home invasions, it's estimated, come through the home's front door or main entrance door, right? Uh, so this f- super focused DVD helps anyone prepare, prepare for those deadly encounters. Check out Door Ambush, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast DA for Door Ambush. All right. Lim- uh, really, cool. really, really great price on that little. In fact, I got a copy right here. You can see it on my screen. Boom. See? Door Ambush. And that's me nice. shooting our social media manager, Mitch, at the door. Or getting ready to shoot him <laughs> anyway. He's like turning, you know, he's taken off. <laughs> right. Uh, he was not expecting such. Awesome uh, aggression from me. I'm just teasing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you got to tell them about the second sponsor. That's yeah. going to be interesting. Well, and I've got that here too in my hands. UltiClip. Okay, so we have available for the month of February a special deal on buying UltiClips, which if you missed yesterday's shop talk, this is what I talked about. If you don't know what UltiClip is, uh, then you should go watch that shop talk video. It's, it'll be archived and available on Facebook for forever as far as I know. Um, in fact, if you go to, con- I think it's concealedcarry.com forward slash shop talk and shop talk is spelled S H O P T A L K just like it should be. Uh, if you go to concealedcarry.com forward slash shop talk, uh, Jacob has built a page on our site that is dedicated. It's basically going to be a dedicated archive of shop talk videos that we do on Facebook. Okay, so you can go see the video I did and talking about UltiClip, how to use them, how to mount them to a holster, and uh, why we'd use them, what the benefits are. Uh, so available in the month of February only. If you buy an UltiClip, you'll automatically receive a coupon code for 20% off from Crossbreed Holsters, usable at crossbreedholsters.com. Now, the catch is you, you have to use that coupon code by March 15th. That's plenty of time, right? So buy an UltiClip from us at concealedcarry.com anytime during the month of February. Receive a 20% off discount from anything, any product off of crossbreedholsters.com. Any of their holsters, any of their belts, uh, they even have like those arc bags. I don't know if people are even familiar with those are, but they're basically electronically, you know, like an EMP proof little bag that you can stick electronics in. Uh, if that's a, if you feel like that's an issue for you. So anything off their site, 20% off coupon code just for buying for this month, an ulti clip from concealedcarry.com. There you go. And you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash ulti clip EDC to learn more. And one other thing you might want to know about is that during the month of February, if you post on on Facebook or on Instagram an image of your holster, your knife sheath, whatever it is, with an ulti clip on it, if you post an image on Facebook or Instagram and tag Concealed Carry Inc. at Concealed Carry Inc., okay, and at ulti clip, U-L-T-I-C-L-I-P, and then I'll show hashtag ulti clip EDC, 
you'll be automatically entered into a drawing for some great prizes at the end of the month, including a complete rifle kit from Palmetto State Armory, a $100 gift card from concealedcarry.com, $50 gift card from sspiwear.com, and also a uh, something from Crossbreed. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it's your pick of a Super Tuck holster from Crossbreed Holsters. All right? So, wow. yeah, buy an old clip, get save money, get a discount code, Post it on social media. That's it. Tag us. Tackle, tag Ulticlip. Hashtag Ulticlip EDC. And get entered into a, a drawing for some really cool prizes. Really good chances there, I think, of winning. All right. Because I just don't, for whatever reason, think a lot of people are going to do it. Mm, that's a challenge. Okay. All right. Dude. Sorry. I'll, I'll shut up now. And I think we should probably let uh, Mr. Andrew Branca with our case of the week speak. What do you think? Yeah, it's a good one. It's really good. Yeah, it is. This is a case that uh, a lot of you probably seen somewhere on social media. I saw videos, you know, going viral all over the place about this particular incident. So he talks mm-hmm. about it. He doesn't show the video, but he talks about it. You'll probably recognize the story. So queuing up case of the week. Here we go now. Thanks for joining us for the Law of Self-Defense Case of the Week. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for LawofSelfDefense.com. This week's Case of the Week involves a video that's been making the rounds of the Internet the last day or two, showing a large white man apparently knocking out a smaller young black woman with a single punch. I've seen reports that the man has been arrested and presume that he will attempt to justify his punch as a lawful act of self-defense. If you haven't seen this video yet, I've embedded it in the text version of the case of the week at lawofselfdefense.com forward slash blog at the post titled, quote, man knocks out woman, close quote. The video is too abbreviated to allow for a comprehensive analysis of the likely lawfulness of the man's punch, but in this case of the week, we can at least touch upon the relevant issues that will be key to any such analysis. The general scenario portrayed by the video appears to be a large white male surrounded by a group of angry, shouting black women. I can't decipher any specific words, but the women have collectively surrounded the man and are yelling at him for reasons unknown. The man's turning around and looking at the various black women surrounding him with his arms at his sides. Eventually, one of the women commits a simple battery upon the man by shoving him forcefully in the back. When the man turns to look in the woman's direction, in response to the shove, she aggressively closes proximity on him with a hand raised towards his face. The man responds to this aggressive approach. In the immediate aftermath of the simple battery committed against him, presumably by this woman, but certainly by the mob, at least, by shoving the woman away from him. He does not close distance towards her, but merely stands in place. In response to the man's shove, the woman charges the man with her hands raised in a fighting position, apparently drawing her right fist back in preparation to throw a punch at the man's face. Before she can do so, however, she runs into the man's left hook, which drops her to the ground. The man attempts no further physical force after that point, and at no point did the man advance towards the woman. It's noteworthy that the video begins with the frame focused on a white woman and child. It's unstated if these two people have any relationship to the man, but if so, we would need to consider defense of others as well as self-defense in this analysis. It's also important to note that the man is dealing not just with a single aggressor in the form of the woman who initially commits the simple battery against him and then continues her aggression towards him, but rather a mob of angry women acting in concert. Each member of a mob is responsible for the unlawful conduct of the mob as a whole. As with all use of force legal analysis, the touchstone here is the five elements of self-defense, innocence, imminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. With respect to the first element, the element of innocence, we can't tell from the video what led to this confrontation, but the first act of physical violence we observe is the simple battery committed, apparently, by the black woman who would end up knocked down. That is, her forceful shove of the man from behind. She follows this shove by then aggressively closing on the man with her right hand raised towards his face. At no point does the man attempt to approach the woman. Rather, it is consistently the woman who approaches the man. Having just been shoved for no apparent lawful reason, 
this aggressive conduct by the black woman would be sufficient to give the man a reasonable expectation that she intended to use additional unlawful force against him. He is, of course, generally entitled to use defensive force to defend himself against unlawful force directed towards him, subject to the other elements of self-defense being present. With respect to the second element of imminence, each time the black woman closes aggressively on the man, especially after having already committed a simple battery against him, there would be reasonable grounds for the man to perceive an imminent threat of further unlawful force against him. With respect to the third element of proportionality, the man was apparently subject to and continued to face a threat of non-deadly aggressive force, and so he would be entitled to use non-deadly defensive force in response. A single barehanded punch of the type thrown by the man would normally qualify as mere non-deadly force. That said, an argument could be made that the considerable disparity of size and likely also strength between the man and the woman was sufficient to make his thrown punch disproportionate and excessive relative to the woman's apparently intended punch. A counter-argument would be that the man was facing not just the single woman attacker, but a collective mob of which the woman attacker was only one member. Again, it's noteworthy that the man immediately ceased using defensive force against the attacking woman once her threat against him was neutralized. With respect to the fourth element, the element of avoidance, I don't know whether these events take place in a stand-your-ground or duty-to-retreat jurisdiction. Even if these events took place in one of the few duty-to-retreat states, however, most of those impose that duty-to-retreat only before deadly defensive force can be used. Here, no deadly defensive force was used. In addition, even the few duty-to-retreat states impose that duty only where retreat can be accomplished with complete safety, both for the defender and anyone he has an obligation to defend, Completely safe retreat from a surrounding mob would seem unlikely. With respect to the final element of reasonableness, in a general sense, much will hinge on the circumstances that led up to this confrontation, and those circumstances are not captured in the video clip. Based on what is visible in the video, however, it would appear the man had a reasonable expectation of being subject to additional imminent non-deadly force attack by the woman. Overall, it would seem the man had a reasonably robust claim of justification for his punch knocking down the woman attacking him, and any prosecution would be tasked with disproving that claim of self-defense beyond a reasonable doubt. Note that this does not mean the man can't be arrested and prosecuted, nor that the state can't use the criminal justice system to cause him tremendous financial destruction nor that the media won't collectively and forever brand the man as a racist misogynist. Now, I don't know whether this man had a reasonable opportunity to avoid finding himself in a situation in which he ultimately felt compelled to punch a young black woman in the face and knock her to the ground, but clearly, if he did have such an opportunity, it would have been prudent of him to take advantage of it rather than subject himself to the vagaries of the criminal justice system and the life-destroying hate fest that is the modern media. If you enjoyed this case of the week, I urge you to take a look at the Law of Self-Defense blog, the premier source for authoritative self-defense law education and insight. There's always free content available, as well as premium content for the Law of Self-Defense community. Just point your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash blog. Remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. And there is this week's Case of the Week from attorney Andrew Branca. And uh, that case, of course, like I mentioned, has kind of gone viral uh, You know, a few weeks ago. Uh it, it's quite a video to watch. I, I know that you've seen it, Matthew. Yeah. I mean, what I was looking at is um, obviously, you know, if there's a, a way that this dude doesn't put himself in the middle of that situation, that's that's the best thing he could have done. But I think from reading a lot, some of the other stories, he he injected himself in there because he was trying to break it up initially because these are all juveniles. 
Um, the one that gets punched, I think she's 14 or something like that, maybe. Um, so yeah. he's trying to break it up and, and just like kind of calm people down. And immediately, and, and you know, if you've ever tried to break up a fight with just two people, it's one thing. But when you have a crowd around you, everybody wants to get involved. One of them pushes him. And then now he has to take this posture like, okay, I'm trying to do a good thing, but you guys are going to start, you know, uh, coming up and trying to test me. And then it just devolves from that point. So it, it's unfortunate that it happened. Um, but it's interesting to read some of the comments by people. Um, you know, we all can put ourselves in, in that position to say, Hey, I, I would try to break up a fight, you know? Um, but when you start getting attacked and there is, you know, multiple people, you probably don't know that the girl, the girl's age or anything like that. You don't know what she's going to do. Um, and whether or not that punch was that necessary i don't know i didn't you know i wasn't there but um there there is quite a size disparity right strength yeah. disparity andrew touches on that and gives some mm-hmm. some reasons he presents both sides i think pretty pretty fairly in this case you know referring yeah. to yeah there's this definite difference in you know size and strength between this guy i mean he's a he's a pretty you know kind of normal sized dude but he's a he's a good sized man and she is this you know, Andrew, the whole time he talks about like this, this, this woman, basically this female, I think he refers to her as, as female, you know, uh, uh, antagonist or whatever, but, uh, uh, she's, she's, she's a little girl. She's not that big. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when this guy clocks her, like he, I mean, she just goes flat out down, you know, to the ground. I mean, she is, she is, <laughs> she is out of the fight from, you know, one punch, uh, yeah. But but he does a good job to you know say hey there there's there's some reasons here why uh, this may be justified and frankly I do I I tend to agree with Andrew and it, you have to understand like yeah we watch that video and go man I don't know you know like that looks pretty bad big guy clocking this little girl right but from a pursuing charges standpoint you know prosecutor standpoint they're gonna they got to look at the case and go can we win this case right. Like, did this guy actually break the law? And if so, is there something here enough to to where we can charge him and we have good confidence that we that we will win taking that to court? And there's mm-hmm. some valid reasons why this may not, you know, win in a in a courtroom. Um, you know, as far as the, the fact that this guy is surrounded by this crowd of girls that are all being antagonistic towards toward him and all encouraging this girl to continue her her you know. Uh, I don't know if I dare call it an attack, but she's she's being quite quite antagonistic, quite uh, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you know it's it's an interesting one for sure, and that's why I was really glad that we got Andrew's uh, perspective on this and just looking at it strictly from from the legal perspective. Uh, I thought it was uh, pretty good. Michael, there's a comment here from Michael, and he says, "I heard he stepped in to protect a girl that was getting bullied," uh, and I, I, you know, there was a couple different things I saw. You know, I mean, there was definitely this crowd of girls. There was some sort of kind of fight, argument. I don't know, rough housing sort of thing going on. And this guy was just trying to get into the entrance of the store they were going to. And he's with his wife and his child. And so there, there's all the, you know, and Andrew kind of touches on that a little bit as well, I think. But but there's just all these reasons why it may have, you know, worked out or, or turned into what it turned into. Um, and we have to take, take all that into account. So anyway, that's why these types of cases are, they're always messy. Like this kind of stuff is just always messy. It's so much easier. Some of these justified stories we talk about, right? Justified saves are intruder goes into home. Intruder has weapon. Intruder seems very intent on harming somebody inside that home or doing something, you know, very criminal in nature. And resident shoots criminal. And because of laws of, or yeah, because of laws of that state, it's just, you know, it's pretty cut and dry, black and white, you know, classic home invasion, bad guy, you know, possibly going to hurt somebody in the home and homeowner does what they have to do to, to defend themselves, the home and the family, right? But we get out in the streets, especially we got get outside the context of home, things start to get a little bit more messy. We get into the context of not quite, you know, being a deadly force incident, where it's just like where we start drawing the lines at, you know what I mean? Like when when we're in this, you know, put yourself in that guy's shoes, and you get literally surrounded by this group of girls. Yes, they may be all girls, but they're being aggressive towards you and towards your family, your loved ones. They're not letting you escape, 
and then they start coming up to you and pushing you and threatening you. I mean, there's a, you know what? You might watch that video and go, oh, I can't believe that guy just, you know, just smashed that girl. But there's a lot of people that would do the same thing. And I'm not saying that's what we should do, right? Like we, we should have other skills. We should know our, our own capability. We should have good, solid, foundational, hand-to-hand fighting skills, right? There's a lot of things that you could do besides, you know, just punching that girl flat out in the face because that could to, here's the thing, right? Now he, 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 Andrew classified it as non-deadly physical force that may have been justified based on the circumstances, but a punch like that to the face or to the head can turn into uh, being deadly, can be late lethal. And if she had died from that, if she if he hit her and she passed down, she hit her head on the ground and died from that, then we'd be talking about a whole different story here. This and almost indefinitely, this guy would be facing charges, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we have to understand. And so that's why I like talking about stories like this, so we can look at ourselves and try to enter ourselves into that position, in in the into the circumstances of that individual, and answer for ourselves, you know, like, how would we handle this? And what do I need to do more to be better prepared to handle myself in a similar situation? Right on. Totally agree. Okay. All right. I thought you'd like, you know, disagree with me on something. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Okay. Let's move on. (laughs) I will later on. (laughs) All right, folks. You know what? Completely forgot something because we had so much new stuff to talk about. Uh, Beginning with this episode of the podcast, we are doing a weekly podcast giveaway. And yes, I'm introducing to you now this week's, and the first ever, well, not first ever, but the first ever of this new weekly giveaway, you know, right? Today's, or this week's prize is a $50 gift certificate. That's upside down. (laughs) $50 (laughs) gift certificate to SSP Eyewear. This is great value, okay? Uh, and I don't mean great value like in the Walmart brand. Like it's truly great value because 50 bucks at SSB Eyewear, they, they make really good quality eyewear, I think, for the money uh, to where you can get some decent eye protection. I was able to, for 50 bucks, I got iPro for me, my wife, and all my kids and my family for, for 50 bucks. Easy. And I got five kids. I guess I didn't buy one for the littlest one. Maybe I did. I can't remember. <laughs> I have a bunch, okay? You probably did, knowing you. <laughs> so $50 gift certificate, SSP Eyewear, this week. Now, here's the deal. Here's the details. How do you get in on this? Well, you have from now until next Monday night at midnight. Okay, so like the the midnight before the pot, the next day's podcast. Does that make sense, right? So midnight right between Monday and Tuesday. Not, not many people realize, uh, Matthew, that people talk all the time about 12 a.m. and 12 p.m., right? There's no such thing, okay? Because 12 a.m. is right, it's like that perfect point right between two days. So 12 midnight is, how, is what you call it, 12 o'clock midnight, right? And noon is the same thing. It's the midpoint of the day. So it's not 12 p.m., 12 o'clock and one second is p.m., but right at noon is 12 noon, right? So if that's not clear, Monday night at 12 o'clock midnight, that's when the where this week's uh, giveaway entries have to be in by. How do you do that? Well, you go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize, and you sign up. Really simple concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And you can be entered in this draw, this week's drawing for a $50 gift certificate from SSP Eyewear. And that's not all. <laughs> that's not all, folks. Um, this Thursday's episode of the podcast, so Thursday at 12 noon, we go live again with an interview with Dwayne Liptak, Executive Vice President of Magpul Industries. And we're going to be talking with him about all kinds of really cool stuff uh, relating to Magpul, as well as his work on the board of directors at the NRA. And here's the deal. We need to set a goal, Matthew. Right now, we have 22 people live on Facebook watching this podcast. Here's the goal. We need to hit 40 people live on Thursday. And if we hit 40 people, I will pick two winners next Tuesday. 
Very cool. And if we share 60 people, I will pick three winners. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you're, there's going to be some incentive to share the podcast and share these Facebook lives. Share, share, share away. The more people we get, <laughs> the more of these we will give away, the better your chances of winning. How about yeah. that? Concealed Free to carry, share. Yep. Concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. All right. And don't forget, join us live on Thursday. If we hit 40 people live at any given time during the, I'll be watching at any given time during the episode, we will give away, we'll, we'll up the number of prizes we give away. All right. That's, that's all the new, I think that's all the news for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. lot. (laughs) I know there's a lot going on. You know, we just decided to overhaul a lot of things relating to how we're doing things here at concealedcarry.com and with the Concealed Carry podcast. And so we had a big powwow, Matthew, me, and Jacob, and we talked about all this stuff, and this, this is what we came up with. So hopefully it's good stuff. Nate is here. Nate from Alien Gear. What's up, Nate? Uh, so we've been sponsoring Alien Gear holsters in their live events uh, each week. And uh, Nate's from, from he's the host there at the Alien Gear, and uh, he loves SSPI, SSPI wear. I did too. They're good stuff. So good things, guys. Ah, Jerry says he just signed up for the prize. Awesome. Good stuff. And Bryant went hunting this weekend with an NRA board member. Yeah, I hope you asked a lot of good questions and, and, and whatnot. All right. Okay, we need to actually get into the podcast content for today. <laughs> um, today is Justified Save Stories. We've got cool. six or seven of these. We're going to talk about seven stories today. All right, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I feel like I've been talking a bunch, Matthew, so you should cover this first story. Police cool. say cool. store owner who shot would-be robber Nothing short of a hero. This according to WCPO, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, this is a short and sweet uh, story. Uh, Basically, a Cincinnati police captain said would-be robber is dead because a 63-year-old convenience store owner protected herself. Uh, A 48-year-old individual comes inside, points a gun to her head, and demands money, said Captain Paul Broxterman. Uh, Police responded to the Glenway Pony Keg on Glenway Avenue about 4.30 p.m., so it's not middle of the night. It's, you know, probably not even dark by then. Um, Officers found James Douglas uh, had been fatally shot. Broxterman said the man was trying to rob the West Price Hill store, but the owner put up a fight, shooting and killing Douglas. he goes on the the police chief to say she's nothing short of a hero. Um, and, and so it's short, it's a short story. There's not a lot of detail about it other than the fact that this, uh, clerk is 63 years old. Um, absent having a firearm, she probably would not be able to defend herself against, uh, this dude who's 48 and, and looks, I mean, he looks pretty able-bodied at least in his mugshot. Um, so, you know, we always talk about like the gun being the great equalizer and everything like that. But, you know, it, it, it just you you might not really realize it until you become one of those people that is in a class where um, they can't defend themselves physically against uh, a, a stronger attacker, you know. And so who knows if this guy would have killed her or not, but she didn't have to roll the dice and let him decide whether what the outcome was going to be. So a uh, pretty cool, quick little story from Cincinnati. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know what you think about it. But. Well, no, I, I think there's, like you said, there's not a lot of detail here. There's, there's not a whole lot more, I think, to add really. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, the store owner was prepared, um, had a, a weapon available, and she was ready and willing to use it. Right. So that's all we can ask. And, and hopefully she learned some things because of this. And hopefully we all can learn things because you know what? Crap happens all the time and it happens all over the place. It happens even in safe, you know, what we think of as safe neighborhoods, which reminds me, I actually had kind of an interesting story uh, this last week, Matthew. Uh, I haven't even told this one yet to you. I told Jacob yesterday, but uh, there was uh, just a few, just, just a very, very close distance to my kid's school was an armed uh, robbery that took place. 
Mm. on Friday, and right like 10 minutes before school got out. So they, they you know, they're getting ready. The kids, you know, the the, cl- the school's getting ready to ring the bell and, you know, open the doors. And uh, 10 minutes before that all happened, uh, police, you know, called the school, said, you guys got to go down. You got to go on a lockout, right? So nobody can come in, nobody can leave. And uh, until they investigated and, you know, saw, you know, what was going on and, and if there was anybody, any threat still in the area. Uh, but basically it was a uh, mother sitting in her vehicle uh, waiting to go pick up her kids at school, you know, just kind of waiting for the clock to tick down. And she was just sitting there enjoying the, a beautiful day with her windows down in her car. She was a little bit distracted by something. I think she said she was cleaning her glasses. And right at that moment, a guy came up right to her, put a gun on her face, said to give her, her give him her wallet or keys or whatever. And she kind of, she thought it was a joke. It was kind of interesting hearing from her. Uh, she's actually friends with my wife. Uh, she thought it was a joke and she said something like, what the F thinking it was, you know, a friend or somebody that snuck up on her because she couldn't really quite see. She, she's, you know, requires her glasses and turned and looked and he had backed out of the way. And while she was distracted looking at him, his accomplice reached in through the passenger window and took her, her purse. And got all our stuff. Mm. So, like, that was like a big, you know, that sort of thing does not happen in our neighborhood. Like that, like that, especially. Holy crap! Like that's that's. Just, I mean, that's not like right next door to you know. It's not my neighborhood neighborhood, but that's like not that far away. My kid's school is like five minutes away. So, right. uh, and that's that. It's it's a it's a nice little place to live. So it was really shocking to hear about this. Um, you know, and, but the reality is things go down all the time in all sorts of places at all sorts of times. This is broad daylight, 2.50 p.m. in the afternoon on a Friday. Crazy stuff, right? So anyway, yeah. this store owner was was ready and she did what she had to do. Oh, shoot. Uh, I was trying to click things and I accidentally clicked the close button on the uh, next story there. So let's, here it is. I got it back open. Registered sex offender shot twice by homeowner during home invasion. So let's go now to Elizabeth City, North Carolina. This is according to WITN.com. So this registered sex offender uh, came into this, uh, into this home early in the morning. And this happened uh, just this last week, about five days ago, happened about 6.30 a.m., that, I will say, statistically speaking, is a little bit of an unusual time for break-ins to occur, all right? But speaking of things can happen anytime, anywhere, this one fits that case. Uh, Elizabeth City Police uh, said it happened around 6.30 a.m. They say Tyrell Johnson, he's the suspect, came into the home through a back door, was confronted by the homeowner who ended up shooting him twice. He then drove himself to the hospital. Good for him. He realized he was hurt. And uh, he's listed in fair condition. Uh, no, no charges yet have been brought in the home invasion and shooting, saying it's an active investigation. But clearly, I mean, it's likely he's going to be charged, I would think. Uh, again, not a lot of detail here. Just a classic home invasion happens. Uh, the, I think the point that I'm trying to highlight here is we need to be on guard all the time. We talk about the need or the importance of if you're carrying a gun and you take it seriously, carry it on your person when you can, as often as you can, like all day long, if possible. Even at home, that's how that's that's my philosophy. Because I've read too many of these stories like this, where six thirty in the morning, like most of us are like hopping in the shower or something, you know, and that is a little bit of vulnerable time. That's that's true. But as soon as I am up and ready for the day and dressed, my holster is on me, and of course I've got other opportunities as far as quick access safes in various places in the home that that if I don't have one on me right at the moment, I can access quickly. But my preference is that I have a gun on my person. All the time, yes, even at home, because of stories like this. Yeah, uh, and I would say also uh, a point to take out of the story is also that this dude was shot twice, and I don't know the caliber, I don't know the placement of the shots or, or, or anything like that, but we know that he at least got shot twice, and he's able to drive himself to the hospital. So, you know, we, we have to be, we have to put our, we have to operate in reality. And if you think that you're going to fire a shot, dude's going to stop every single time on one shot or two shots or whatever it might be, um, you're setting yourself up not to be able to respond correctly. So, um, you know, just understand that handgun ballistics aren't necessarily fatal, right? So, um, for you or for them, 
uh, yep. for that matter. So a uh, pretty interesting little tidbit that I pulled out of there that he, he was shot twice, but he was able to drive himself and he's stable. He's going to survive. So, yep, for sure. All right, let's go to the next one here. This one happened in Campobello. Never heard of that one. Campobello, South Carolina. That's kind of a fun name for a little town. I, I assume it's a little town because I've never heard of it, right? Uh, this is in Spartanburg <laughs> County. And the title here, according to WSPA.com News, Channel 7, uh, it's a CBS affiliate there in the area. Uh, the title is, Burglary Victim Encourages Women to Get Weapons Training. This one's cool because we don't see this that often in mainstream media. And this would, I mean, it's CBS News. This would, you know, a local news station, but still this is just not something you see mainstream very often because at the end of this article it says, if you're interested in getting your concealed weapons permit, it's, and then they give, they give a link. Here, click, go here. Like that's actually really cool, I think, to see, you know, from a mainstream news source like this. Mm-hmm. But what's the story? Yeah, even in even in the even in the video, the the, the newscasters are, you know, putting uh, concealed carry in a positive light, saying yeah. it's important. But awesome. I mean, and, and, the, and the story it bears that out, right? Like, so this woman comes to check, her mother dies, uh, owns a home. She goes to check on the home and walks in. There's two people, or there's three people in there. Um, so apparently some sort of, she feels uh, that, that they're going to harm her somehow. She pulls out her firearm, uh, shoots two of them. Um, and, or I believe, I, it, it's not clear uh, how many shots she fires or who she hits, but one of the persons uh, goes to the hospital is is uh, expected to survive, and I believe the other two are in custody. But it doesn't say anything if they were injured. So she draws out her three eighty, um, starts firing a couple rounds. We don't know how many she fired, what what you know if she missed or whatnot. But I think the important thing about this, or one of the things I thought about, was how the the, the gun is uh, it's a changer of momentum or it's a changer of the whole um, incident and how it plays out. Because had she, th- th- that's three people against one. And had she not had a, f- a firearm with her, let's say she has a knife or let's say she has OC spray or something like that. Um, it, it probably doesn't change the dynamic as much because somebody's probably still going to be able to fight through that and attack her. But with the firearm, it was she was able to at least neutralize three Three attackers, whether or not she hit them with gunfire or not, she was the, just the presence in, in, in the gun coming out um, and her starting to put shots on at least one person changed the dynamic of that and, and halted three people from attacking her. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think I thought that was pretty interesting. Let, let me share uh, kind of one of the things that really stood out to me, or actually there's a couple of things that really uh, caught my attention from this story. She uh, says here that she... She carries a 380. All right. It's not the most powerful thing in the world, but hey, you know, like that's what she chose to carry and that's what she had with her. And that's the other thing. It says here that she still carries the holster in the same. So police confiscated her firearm, right? There's an investigation going on. That's pretty standard procedure. They've collected her firearm, any ammunition that was with it, the magazine, et cetera. They've collected all of that. The investigation will run its course. This appears, as far as we can tell, to be a justified uh, use of deadly force inside her own home. Uh, so that, that's likely what we'll find, that, or that the investigation will find, and she'll get her gun back. It might take a little while, but she'll get it back. Now, I've heard of some some cases where, depending on the case, that can take years, unfortunately. All right, that's 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 something we need to understand. That if we use a gun in deadly force uh, to defend ourselves, that uh, you know we need we need to. Uh, you know, expect that the gun will be taken away for a time. Uh, anyway, she, but what I like is that she carries the gun with her. She says right here, she still carries the holster in the same pocket she kept her gun in on Monday. She's waiting for law enforcement to return a gun, it says. So that just tells me right there that she takes it seriously. She just got her permit a month ago and she's carrying the gun on her person in the holster in her pocket. It's pocket holster. That's cool. Whatever. But she's still carrying the holster because clearly she's made this a lifestyle choice, a habit, something that she is serious about and that she'll continue to do. I I just thought that was really impressive from this woman. Right on. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, all right. We've got to move along here. Security guard 
shoots man who fired gun into crowd in Northeast Dallas. Give us a rundown on this story, Matthew. Yeah, and, and uh, pr- frankly, I don't know why this story doesn't say like security guard stops mass shooting because it very well could have been. Um, basically, a sur- security guard shoots a man who pointed a gun at him after firing in his crowd, striking another person Monday afternoon in Dallas. Um, responding officers found an 18-year-old man with a gunshot wound to his shoulder around 4.30 p.m., um, according to police, the 18-year-old had gotten into an argument with a group. He pointed a handgun into the crowd and fires indiscriminately, right? Because they don't really care who they hit. Um, and they hit one guy. Uh, one man is struck in the ankle with that round. Um, so the man who has not been identified then pointed his gun at a security officer at a nearby business who witnessed the shooting. Um, security officer, fi- officer fires his weapon and hits the guy, in the, the original shooter, in the shoulder. Um Gunman or the uh, security guard detains him, secured his firearm, and called the police. Um, everybody's expected to survive in this, but I mean, very easily could have been many people either injured, shot, killed, uh, whatever, because this guy obviously has no care nor no concern for human human life at all. Um, and so, I thought it was really interesting. It kind of re. Uh, it reiterates the fact that like if you are open caring or if you are um, in a situation where you are a security guard where you're easily identifiable as being somebody that might stop a shooting or something like this, people will uh, criminals will key in on that and not to say that they're always going to shoot you first or anything like that, but you are going to be noticed. And so uh, this criminal obviously notices the security guard and says, oh, crap, probably doesn't know if he's a cop or not, points the gun and ends up getting dropped. So um, pretty, pretty interesting story that really is covered in about, you know, 60 words, um, but super, super important. And another explanation or example of Somebody on scene with a firearm stops something from escalating into uh, further death or injury. Yeah, no, it's, this is a remarkable story. I mean, this is just an example of of what happens when somebody is in the vicinity that is carrying a gun for self defense or the defense of others, right? Uh, and they and they are able to use it. Okay, so like this could have been a much different story, a different outcome had this security guard. Now, I don't care whether it's a security guard or just a regular Joe concealed carrier dude, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it could have been anybody that was in the vicinity of this this argument. You know, it says it was an argument with a group, right? And this one kid didn't like what was going on with that argument and pulled his handgun out and shot into this group, into this crowd of people. Because the security guard was there, was armed, and was ready and able to draw and immediately... Uh, engage. Well, you know he 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 shot the kid in the in the shoulder. It says right. So like he was right there and able to engage right away. Put a stop to it right away. Contrast that with what happened in New York. I think just yesterday or the day before. Right there was this MS13. This is not a news story with us, but I'm just making the making the connection here. The, apparently, this supposed MS13 gang member, some kind of altercation going on in the subway in New York City. And uh, people were all around. Like, there's there's cell phone video because, you know, of course, it's a fight. It's a grapple on the ground. And people were like, oh, hey, a fight. Hey, this is cool. Like, let's pull out the phones and record it, right? Well, one one of the this MS-13 gang member, in the course of that, is able to get his gun out and fires uh, multiple times and, and shoots this other guy dead. I mean, he is dead. And no one was able to step in and, and, and put a stop to that the way they, you know, they, perhaps they should have. I don't know, depending on the situation. But... Um, like I said, I mean, initially that one started out as just a fight and I'm sure it was really a surprise when the gun came out, but there was nobody nearby that could, uh, really do anything to stop that from getting worse. It could have been worse than it was very clearly. The gunfire from this man was targeting the other man. Um, but, uh, could have been worse. We have another really cool story out of New, actually out of New York. So speaking of New York, I was just knocking on New York for, you know, they don't, allow citizens to carry concealed and and that might have been the difference maker in a situation in the subway for at least one man but uh in new york a retired nypd officer shot a carja- carjacker in the head it says this happened uh, a couple of days last week sometime a pair of criminals decided to uh they stole a car and they were going to ditch that stolen car and, and they abandoned it they then searched for another vehicle to steal this is a common tactic right 
that's the way you're going to make your getaway. Most likely is you steal the one car, you steal another, you steal another, you try to make it basically to where, you know, it's hard to track you down, right? So they look for another vehicle to steal. They jumped into the backyard of a retired New York corrections officer's home, tried to steal his vehicle, but the car's owner spotted them. The unidentified victim told police he pulled a gun and ordered the men to the ground, which they complied with initially. However, perhaps thinking that he saw an opportunity, one of the would-be car thieves jumped up, pulled a revolver, and pistol-whipped the victim in the face. The corrections officer fired his pistol, striking the assailant in the head. It's not expected that that man is going to survive. 58-year-old retired officer was taken to the same hospital for treatment of lacerations to his face from the pistol-whipping. Crazy story. But, you know, the only reason this guy was able to defend himself, Matthew, is because he's a retired cop. In New yeah. York City, like that's like one of the few exceptions where you can actually live in New York and have and carry a gun for pr- protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he probably still gets hassled. <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, wouldn't put it past them. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, go ahead. Well, one quick thing about that is yeah. just um, you know, even even somebody's trained, um, firearms are tool of distance. You know, for for the most part. So if you have that distance, keep the distance, and that will highly reduce the chance of you getting pistol whipped. You know, if you're if you're outside of arm's distance, it's kind of hard to get pistol whipped. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little bit of tactics. There, there's something here to this. I mean, the fact that it sounds like he had the guys on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the guys was able to jump up, and then also get close enough to pistol, you know, actually hit him in the head. So, you know, I was thinking, I was watching a video the other day of a uh, armed robbery in a convenience store. And uh, actually, it was, it was related to that incident. You sent me a story, Matthew, of a guy that, that got convicted uh, because he shot a burglar in the back as the dude was leaving, mm-hmm. um, you know, his convenience store that he had just robbed, right? And that story, earlier in the year, they had also had a robbery at that store where the man's wife, I think it was, she and she, she drew out her gun and exchanged shots with another robber. And she got hit in that one. And I was watching that video noticing how she, she had several opportunities where this, this robber turns away from her. He looks, because he's looking elsewhere, right? He's got his gun pointed at her, but he's looking, he's looking at the front of the store. He's looking behind in the back of the store. He's, he's, he's keeping his eye, you know, he, he's watching for anybody else that might be a threat to him, including police. And so there's always op- these opportunities where the robber t- turns and looks away. And I'm thinking, how often you know, could that be similar for us? If we end up engaging bad guys, even if we get them down on the ground or whatever it is, we got to stay focused right there on them at a distance, but keeping our eyes on that threat because you know the opportunity that they might see is if you look away for any particular reason to look over your shoulder to talk to somebody else whatever it is like that could be the opportunity they're waiting for to take advantage of you yeah right on all right i know matthew's got to take off here in a few minutes so and we're we're working on wrapping this one up here so Man clinging to, clinging to the hood of a speeding car rescued by man with a gun. This is on our concealedcarry.com site. Uh, this happened in Massachusetts and uh, on the Massachusetts Turnpike even. So this is a busy, busy highway. And I saw the video of this, Matthew, and it's pretty wild. There's a video in the story here. You can go watch that. Uh, some sort of um, car you know, road rage incident taking place between two drivers like the one driver sideswiped the other driver the you know the one the the guy that got sideswiped got out of his vehicle to you know engage in conversation and uh the the guy that sideswiped him decides to take off and somehow this I, i'll he i'd say he's a victim right so you know apparently he got charged with something i'm not sure why i don't know if we have all the details on that but uh he somehow ends up on the hood of the guy's car that just sw- sideswiped him. This guy takes off with him up to speeds, they said, of I think up to 70 miles an hour with this guy on, riding on the hood of his car. And it was only resolved when. Why don't you spill the beans on that, Matthew? Yeah, so uh, I don't know if he's retired or whatnot. He's a, an army guy, um, has a concealed handgun with him, sees what's going on and says, I got to stop it, um, takes it into his own hands to kind of uh, – uh, 
position his vehicle on the on the freeway when the traffic allows it to to stop that car and he pulls out his firearm and and basically you know holds the guy at gunpoint and tells him not to not to try to pull away um and so at that point the driver finally stops and uh the dude's able to get off the car or off the hood and uh yeah that's that's how it actually ends up you know ending it could have ended up a, a lot worse for the dude on the hood that's for sure that dude on the hood is so lucky. Like he, I'm amazed he's not dead, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this guy was driving, uh, you know, at highway speeds with him on the hood, and occasionally changing speeds, and I think trying to shake him off of that car. Yeah. Like he, it could have totally ended up being a murder here. Um, and even once, once other drivers kind of pinned in this vehicle with the guy on the hood, he gets off. And it almost seemed like even for a minute that the driver of that car didn't want to really, you know, give up, that he would have, you know, continued to um, maybe even, I mean, I think honestly he would have rammed that guy uh, and pinned him in between the vehicle, between, you know, between the, between him, you know, the driver of this vehicle and the vehicle in front of him. Like it, it seemed like there was, I don't know, I, I was questioning mental stability of this driver. If he was having some sort of episode uh, or is he just that willing to murder somebody with a vehicle. I don't know if he just was in such a rage. He didn't think or realize what he was doing was wrong. Um, but it took a, a good Samaritan in Massachusetts of all places, which is a rare place, or, you know, then compared to like Texas or even Colorado for that matter, you know, for average Joe citizens to be carrying concealed, you know, around with mm-hmm. them throughout the day. And, did you see how police responded uh, when they showed up and what the yeah. armed citizen, you know, did? Yeah, they, they end up, uh, he has to drop his firearm. They end up cuffing him and securing him. Um, and I understand, I mean, I, police handle situations differently or, or however they seem fit. Um, but, you know, that that's the reality. And, and, and he ended up getting cuffed. I mean, and, and plus, you know, I'm not saying, I, I don't know who was right, who was wrong on the car. I, I'm, you know, I'm not really focused on those two guys as much as the the, the concealed carrier who actually stopped it. And, and, but I think understanding that how you're going to be treated by the police possibly. Um, mm-hmm. and also the, the amount of like civil, you're, you're, you have no immunity, um, asking as a, as a civilian trying to stop a vehicle or hold somebody at gunpoint. So, um, just, you know, I'm not saying that he did anything wrong. I'm just saying that like, understand that you are opening yourself up to a potential host of problems by getting involved in a third party incident like this. Um, nonetheless, you know, not one of them just being, you're going to be possibly handcuffed and thrown in the back of a police car by the police. Um, but yeah, he, he did what he thought was right. Um, and he made a decision he stuck with it and and you gotta, you know, you gotta respect that he, he was controlled enough. He didn't act out of line or, or anything. Um, but when you make a decision like that, just make sure that you know, all the, all the things that could come from you pulling out that firearm. Yep. Well, a good Samaritan did the right thing. You know, he, he listened to commands and he complied. He dropped his gun because the order was given. Uh, he, you know, they, they like you, like you said, cuffed him. Uh, a little while later, later they released him and returned his, uh, it says here, Smith & Wesson M&P shield to him. So he got his gun back. You know, he didn't have to use it or anything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a remarkable story and uh, lots of lessons to be learned there. Uh, frankly, if you're involved in some sort of road rage incident, just stay in your car. Like that's like, like probably the first thing I would say, you know, what, what started all of this was this guy got out of his car and from there things escalated and got to a, a very crazy place. Mm-hmm. Final story. And Matthew, if you got to duck out, it's cool, bro. Like you you can you can do what you got to do, man. Um okay. Castle Rock man who shot wife. That's a big accident. This happened in Castle Rock, Colorado, and we talked about this uh actually a number of months ago as uh as one just one of our stories. And the, basically what happened is this man or actually the man and his wife heard some sort of like banging. You know, he interpreted it as potential gunfire and wasn't in 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 obviously thought that there was something going on in his home or near his home. So he grabbed his gun, told his wife to stay put in their bedroom. He then went downstairs. And at some point, as he is kind of investigating things downstairs, his wife comes down and she's kind of on the bottom of the stair or, or whatever. And he he senses her, turns around thinking, oh my gosh, you know, bad guy has snuck up on me, fires two shots. One of them hits her in the gut. The other one misses her completely. 
I think up above her head. So like it went really, really, really high because he couldn't have been that far from her. Uh, and uh, then realizes realizes it's his wife. Oh boy. Yeah, now he, good. yeah. So police did arrest him. Um, they took him in for questioning. Uh, police recommended charges against him. But what's interesting about this case, and I do believe, by the way, that Andrew Branko is going to give us a case of the week on this one because I sent this on to him and he said that it was really interesting and he thought he would he would cover it for us. So we all we, expect some additional uh, analysis from Andrew. But the attorney general, or not the, the uh, prosecuting attorney, so the prosecutor, the DA, he looked at this case and they looked at Colorado law, uh, make my day law and so forth, and he said, look, like this guy... Yes, he shot his wife, and that's a terrible thing. But if this was a if this was a an intruder in that man's home, and he shot the intruder, we we would be saying, "Congrats, buddy! You know, like good job. You're a hero. You you stopped this you know criminal that had broken into your home." He thought his wife was an intruder, so because it was an honest mistake. Now this doesn't always play out the same way and you know but this this is a very smart i think uh, prosecuting attorney and it's uh, 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 the DA is uh, George Brockler he just was return or was running for attorney general state attorney general here in Colorado he didn't win unfortunately he's a really smart dude he looked at it and said look guys like this is a this is a mistake to happen if it was a, if it was an intruder he would have been completely justified so I don't see any reason, and I don't see that justice will be served by charging this man and taking him to court. So the wife uh, re- recovered fully, healed from her wounds. Um, all is well now, and this guy just learned that he's not going to be uh, charged with any crime. So he's off the hook and, and uh, very fortunate. Now, he made some mistakes, I, I would say, and I think you could probably touch on this a little bit, Matthew, but, I mean, obviously we got to identify our target. we got to identify our threat before we pull the trigger, before we pull the trigger. And that did not happen here. And that's how his wife got shot. Yeah. And what I, and one, one thing that I thought was really important about this, and I think it should be something, I think everybody should check this article out and listen to the the video that goes along with it or watch the video. Um, there's a prosecutor, there's an attorney in here, her name's Paula Bovo Bavo. And it just, it doesn't say she's a prosecutor or anything or what her, her expertise is, but she's it, it, in the article, it says she's familiar with the make my day law. Now, I don't, I, I don't know what the make my day law is. I assume it's something similar to like stand your ground or something like that. Um, but, but the fact is, is she's in here saying some things that are very troublesome as far as not understanding the difference between an accident and criminal intent. And she's Basically, she's advocating for this guy to have been charged um, and saying that they are using this make my day law, using wide discretion with this law to basically let people shoot people at will. And it's very it's very troublesome if you listen to it, because this is somebody who's apparently an attorney and has some idea about law. And um, and so if you don't think that there are criminal prosecutors across the country that have the same thought process, you're, you're wrong. And so when we're talking about overzealous prosecutors or being careful about, you know, maybe gun mods or maybe this or that, and just saying, you never know what kind of prosecutor might try to attack you. If you look at this woman and imagine she is a prosecuting attorney, you don't want to be on the other end of this, whatever this woman is going to charge you with. If she um, was the DA, she, this guy would be getting charged. At, a hundred percent. And and so, and it's a total act. I'm not saying what happened wasn't wrong, but, but he had no criminal intent whatsoever that, that they could show. And even on face value, it doesn't even seem like he had even an inkling of like criminal intent to, to harm his wife. And this is a, like you said, a straight up situation where the amount of force he used was appropriate based on what his his idea or thought of what the situation was that was an attacker not his wife or somebody inside his home so it's just a cautionary tale just to to understand that there are prosecuting attorneys that are like this so you just need to be very cautious this paula bobo she pointed to the fact that this man was he did have alcohol in his system and he blew a portable uh, breath test that registered a .045, well below the legal limit in Colorado. So he's not even legally intoxicated. Um, and which that that's what a, a DA Brockler pointed at was he's he was not legally intoxicated. 
yes, there was alcohol in the system, but it's like they just looked at it and said, look, this is not anything out of the ordinary, out of the norm. He's not legally intoxicated. Uh, he had what's called in law a mistake of fact. He thought it was an intruder when it was in fact not, and he made a mistake on that point. Now, he should have, he made some big time tactical errors. And I bet you he wishes he could go back and change that. They also looked at this man's history and his history with his wife. They couldn't find no evidence there was any sort of wrongdoing between them, that there was any sort of abuse, domestic violence, any, anything wrong with the relationship. And so that all played into, they were all factors in the DA's decision to not prosecute in this case. And the fact is, you know, I don't care what Paula Bovo says. She, she, I think she's wrong in this, in that the DA has the discretion to look at these sorts of things and discretionarily decide to not. And it was, that's Matthew saying goodbye, by the way. <laughs> He's got to go pick up his daughter from school. He decided not to prosecute. And I think that was the right call. So, uh, but doesn't excuse making mistakes and not identifying your target or identifying your threat before you pull the trigger, right? So big time lesson learned for all of us from a tactical side of things. Yeah, so it's time to wrap it up there. That is uh, a wrap for this week's edition of the Justified Saves podcast for today. All right or at least a Justified Saves episode for the week or month or whatever. I don't know even what to call things anymore. It's changing all, all the format and everything. Hey, guys, a couple of reminders. Don't forget to sign up for the giveaway, for the weekly giveaway. We will announce winner or winners, depending on how many attendees we have of the live broadcast on Thursday. We will announce winners next Tuesday live on Facebook. Need to... Jacob says discretionarily he's watching is not, not sure that's a word. Well, I, I made it a word. Okay. So bug off <laughs> uh, reminder to get signed up for the giveaway. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. If we get 40 attendees or more during the live podcast this Thursday, 12 noon mountain time, 2 PM Eastern, then uh, we will give away two of, I put it away here somewhere. I don't know where it went. There it is. We'll give away two of these. The $50 gift certificates, SSPI wear, if we get 40 of you in attendance to Thursday's episode of the podcast. Uh, so yeah, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And don't forget to pick up an ulti clip or two or four for a holster. If you think that's going to be a good solution for you, pick one of those up. You'll get a 20% off coupon of a crossbreed holster, uh, your choice at crossbreedholsters.com. And uh, and also the giveaway associated with that. All right, you buy one of those or put put up a poke picture, <laughs> put up a picture <laughs> picture of your ulti clip in a holster uh, on Facebook or Instagram and tag us in ulti clip and hashtag ulti clip EDC. You'll be automatically entered into a random drawing for lots of great prizes. So with that, we are going to sign on out of here. Thanks everyone for being a part of this episode. And with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.